the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. And we are underway on Always Right Radio on this Monday. It is the 11th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Holy Week on the Christian calendar. Uh, obviously coming up on Good Friday. And then uh, Easter Sunday is less than a week away now. So uh, certainly a very important time for probably everybody listening to this program. Um, and even if you are not celebrating and glorifying God in this week, we wish you a very peaceful and blessed and holy week anyway. Uh, we got a lot to do today. We have a lot of very important work to do. We've got three great interviews coming up. The first one, you probably could guess. If you've been following the news over the weekend, you heard about the astounding commentary that has come from, not recently, this is from back in October, but that has come from the front runner in the Ohio Republican GOP primary race. Mike Gibbons has kind of taken control of that race, maybe a little bit of a step back because of the back and forth with Josh Mandel, but this doesn't have anything to do with that. This has to do with taxes and you and me, the middle class of this country. Because in a discussion that Mike Gibbons was holding on uh, October 21st, I believe it was. No, I'm sorry. It was in October of last year, October of 2021. I don't have the exact date, exact date and it doesn't matter. But in this um, discussion, uh, a podcast interview, I beg your pardon, I found it in September of 2021, not October. So there you go, you know, six, seven months ago, eight months ago. Um, Mike Gibbons was asked about the, uh, should there be a federal income tax minimum brought to America's wealthiest. 
And, of course, we know that this is something that the left has pushed, trying to have this massive wealth tax, not necessarily an income tax, but just taxing wealth that people have, even if they're not making profit on it, selling it, et cetera, all of these kinds of things. So the debate about what the the wealthiest Americans pay versus what the middle class pays was held in this podcast interview. And in that interview... Talking about fair share, this is the left's talking point, that the wealthy doesn't pay their fair share. Mike Gibbons suggested that maybe it's the middle class that doesn't pay its fair share. Is Mike Gibbons saying that the middle class should suffer a tax increase until they get to a fair share level? Well, this is what he said in September. The top 20% of earners in the United States pay 82% of federal income tax. Um, We only have, and, and if you do the math, and 45 to 50% don't pay any income tax, you can see the middle class is not really paying any kind of a fair share, depending on how you want to uh, define it. Now, the problem is, is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is the middle class is getting screwed and the, and the, the wealthy, the, the elite, are, are, getting, are, are cheating everybody. Now, what does that mean? What does he mean by that? The narrative is, and he said it with kind of a dismissive tone, the narrative is that the middle class is getting screwed and that the uh, wealthy, the upper class, is cheating everybody. He sounded very dismissive of that. To say that this has garnered headlines is an understatement. In fact, the commentary has gone viral. I've seen stories in The Blaze. I've seen it in uh, Breitbart. I've seen it in uh, local newspapers. I've seen it in the AP. It is literally everywhere. So I've invited Mike Gibbons to come on and explain this commentary about taxation and whether or not the middle class is undertaxed. He's going to be with me at 1010 this morning. So uh, as you can imagine, this was going to be one of the first things that we did. Mike Gibbons is still the front runner. I've been talking at length with Mike Gibbons and with Josh Mandel about their back and forth over military service, which was an unfortunate situation from the very beginning because Mike Gibbons never talked about Josh Mandel's military service when he criticized him for never having worked in the private sector. Or uh, didn't criticize him, but essentially pointed out, you've never been there, what do you know about investing? Um, That back and forth was kind of ugly, but it seemed to be kind of heading toward the back burner. Uh, and now it was going to be you know, a race to the finish line on May 3rd, which is now just three weeks away. Uh, but now Mike Gibbons has a new problem on his hands. Does he think that the middle class is undertaxed in America? Should it be taxed higher? Those comments from that podcast might indicate that, yes, he does. But I'm not going to prejudge. I'm going to let him tell me live on, this, on these airwaves coming up at uh, one hour, 1010 in one hour. At 10.10 this morning, Mike Evans will be joining us. Now, prior to that, at 9.35, as it is a Monday, Congressman Jim Jordan will join us for his uh, commentary and thoughts on a whole host of things, not the least of which the left's ongoing war on science, which we'll talk about uh, in a couple. Uh, also, Joe Biden getting more and more desperate as the polls continue to plummet for him. Uh, the latest CBS News poll. Under 42%. That's the lowest it's ever been in the CBS poll, and it's the uh, below 40% on the issues of crime, immigration, inflation, and economy. Which, by the way, I don't know, that's pretty much everything that Americans deal with. So that's a problem. We'll talk to him also about more leftists leaving their jobs at Twitter because of Elon Musk, even though Elon Musk had a shock announcement uh, this weekend as well. So we'll get into all of that with Jim Jordan. So i got Jim Jordan. I've got... Um, uh, uh, Senatorial candidate Mike Gibbons, and then at 11.10, even after we talk to Mike Gibbons, Tom Zawistowski of the We the People Convention will join us to talk about this Senate race because his organization, the We the People Convention, announced its endorsement in this race also over the weekend. 
in Tom's endorsement, along with that of the We the People Convention, Mike Gibbons. That's right. He endorsed, or they endorsed Mike Gibbons. That organization endorsed Mike Gibbons as the endorsements continue to fly fast and furious right now uh, throughout this Senate race. Uh, they chose Gibbons, and we're going to ask him about this situation and more as to why they're backing Mike Gibbons in this crowded race. So there you have it, Jordan. We have Gibbons, and we have Tom Zawistowski on the schedule this morning. You can join us whenever you are ready at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. You can always join us, of course, by leaving a message at alwaysright.us. Just go to the right side of the page. You'll see a sound off button. Click it, record your greeting, send it to me, and I'll play it on the radio. I've got several that came in over the weekend that I'll play today as well. But before we do any of that, I would ask you now to rise if you don't mind, wherever you may be. If you were driving, you are excused from standing. But please, put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a leftist Biden voter, and if you are among those who are not, um, if you are not uh, disturbed by the issues of crime, immigration, inflation, and economy, the way that uh, over 60-plus percent of the American people are in that CBS poll. If you are still backing this destruction of our country, well, then you don't really believe in the country anyway, and you are excused from this pledge. Go ahead and take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. But for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation... Under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I don't want to get any more into the Gibbon story until I interview him at 1010, but you have it there, and you can comment on it if you so desire at 216-901-0945. Where I do want to start is the ongoing war on science. There is a war on science. You know, that phrase often gets thrown around. We've had a war on drugs. We have had a war on illegal immigration, one that we surrendered, by the way, under the Brandon administration. There is no longer a war on illegal immigration. It is welcomed. It is open-armed. It is, um, it is um, borderless. Quite frankly, it is borderless. We have surrendered the border. But there are wars on the war on crime, war on this, war on that. Well, there's, there's truly in this country right now a war on science. And it is being waged by the American left. It's one thing for, you know, a group of trans activists and LGBTQ warriors to say that, you know, there's no definition of what a woman is. You know, a woman is whatever you feel like, which, of course, is absurd and nonsense and a complete avoiding of the question. It's another thing for a Supreme Court justice, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. In her confirmation hearings, to be unable to define what a woman is. But it's something altogether different when the Secretary of Health and Human Services in the federal government, Xavier Becerra, is unable to define what a woman is. Unable or unwilling, because he and the administration he represents the Brandon administration, fear the backlash from the political left, from the Rainbow Mafia, for actually describing what a woman is. Becerra became the latest Democrat to struggle with the answer after Representative Mary Miller, this is in the Washington Times, a Republican from Illinois, asked him point blank, what is a woman? Can you define the word? 
Becerra responded, Congresswoman, I'm looking at you, and I think you're a woman. How much more do you want me to give you? End quote. This was at a hearing of the House Education and Labor Committee. Um, Mary Miller responded, if you're in charge of health and human services, we want a specific definition of what a woman is. But no response was forthcoming. He would not answer the question. This didn't used to be a trick question, Miller told the Washington Times. While there is so much in this world that we don't know, for all of recorded history, people have known what a woman is. But Justice Jackson and Secretary Becerra and others in the Biden administration are so pressured to be aligned with the Rainbow Mafia that they refuse to acknowledge basic science. Now, that would be enough of the story to kind of, you know, get your ire and maybe the hairs on the back of your neck raised just a little bit. The Secretary of Health and Human Services can't or won't define what a woman is, making him wholly unqualified for his job, by the way. But it gets worse than that. In a survey conducted by the Daily Caller of all 100 United States senators, only 15 of them were willing to define what a woman is. All 50 of the Democrats in the 100-member body declined. 15 out of the 50 Republicans, less than half, actually a little bit less than a third of the Republican senators were willing to define what a woman was when questioned by the Daily Caller. Some government officials, including all 50 Senate Democrats, have just said, nope, not answering, not even touching it, just like Katanji Brown-Jackson. First of all, just chew on that for a moment. How disgusting and how much power have we given to the Rainbow Mafia, the LGBTQ warriors, the trans agenda, the groomers of this country? How much power have we given them when even the Republicans, a third of the Republicans, less than, are willing to define woman when asked by the Daily Caller? Just on on a macro level, that is astounding. A hundred members of the United States Senate, the senior chamber in the United States Congress, the upper chamber, if you will, we can't get more than 15 out of 100 to define what a woman is? On a macro level, that's disgusting. On a micro level, to a man or woman, oh, can we say man or woman? I'm waiting for congressmen and congresswomen to become congresspersons, congresspeople, congress beings. I'm wait. You know it's coming. It is absolutely coming on the House side. Congressmen and congresswomen are going to be replaced, especially since cowardly Republicans are joining the cowardly Democrats in refusing to cross the rainbow warrior. Uh, brigade and and actually define what, what women is this is science this isn't politics this is not subjective this isn't something that you can eh, I don't know, I'll get think about it and I'll get back to you I'm gonna find a working definition here one that won't of- offend anybody it is scientific there is no other way to look at this Republican Oklahoma Senator Jim Inhofe said 
This is common sense. As a father and grandfather, there are women and there are men. Anyone who refuses to answer that question is without doubt seeking to defend far-left radicals who are trying to upend America's values. Republican uh, Senator Rick Scott in Florida said, It's an adult female person. It's not hard. Republican Senator Ted Cruz and uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee said, A woman is defined by two X chromosomes with Cruz adding homo sapien as a qualifier. Republican uh, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said, It is bizarre we have reached a point where the definition of a woman would be in doubt. But if need be, Merriam-Webster defines a woman as an adult female human being. I do not believe we should be trying to redefine that. Republican North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer referred the Daily Caller to his previous interview, saying, The beautiful thing is, I don't have to. God already did it. That was his answer in a previous interview with CNS News. God already defined woman for us. You know, that's going to trigger the left more than anything else. Senator Chuck Grassley, you don't need to be a biologist to answer this question. A woman is born with two X chromosomes. Oklahoma Senator James Lankford referred to a statement he made previously about Jackson's answer. It is about biology. Ironically, she stumbled into the exact right issues. It's basic biology, basic anatomy, that any sixth grader could actually get right. He added, the crazy far left doesn't state the obvious because they have their own agenda, and the inability to define women affects girls that are competing against biological men in sports. There's more on this, but I think you get the picture. Only 15 out of 100 senators, all 15 Republicans, but that's still a shameful number. We're willing to define woman when asked by the Daily Caller. I don't know how we win this culture war. I don't know how we defend in this war against science if we can't even get Republicans in the Senate to stand up for it. I want your thoughts. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Right back on Always Right, AM 1420, The Answer. This is Dan from Parma. So uh, for over the years, uh, Democrats have always had their one-liners, their, their burns against Republicans. And the famous one is, you're racist. That's kind of like calling someone a witch 500 years ago. I mean, the, the accusation is what sticks. And there's really nothing you can say after that. But today, because of the Democrats' Looney Tune woke ideology... They handed us, on a silver platter, the best political burn that you could put on someone. And that is, you're a pedophile. <laughs> uh, good luck coming back from that one. I mean, they can argue it and they'll, you know, they'll say this, that, whatever. And all I got to say after that is, sounds like something a pedophile would say, huh? <laughs> Thank you, Dan from Parma. Uh, and you know what? It's you, You're obviously chuckling there at the end. Um, but you're not wrong. This is happening. This is absolutely happening. Um, the left is going berserk every time those of us who try to defend children against grooming, against over-sexualizing at a very young age, um, they wig out. They, they, they flip because we're calling them pedophiles and we're calling them groomers. 
And it's not coincidental, I don't think, that while all of this is going on, and, you know, the, the Disney story and all of the school stories and all of these things, Lakewood I just told you about, they're planning their grooming uh, orientation for, for young children. Um, that's Lakewood Public Schools. While all this is going on, that Biden just nominated and got confirmed a Supreme Court justice who has been soft on pedophiles, soft on child pornographers. It's not a coincidence. The left is devoted to this, and when you call them on it, and you point out the facts that are going on, they are just flipping their, you know what, they're angry, they're, 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 they're essentially being exposed, and that's not a fun thing to be exposed as a supporter of pedophilia, a supporter of child pornography, a supporter of grooming children to sexualize them at very young ages before they should have any earthly idea what sex is. That's the that's the reality of the situation, and they don't want people knowing it. So thank you for that uh, message, Dan, at alwaysright.us. Leave yours there as well. We'll play them on the radio. Carol is in Bedford next. Carol, good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, Bob, I find it so ironic that the only reason our newest Supreme Court person is there is because she fell into two category, categories, female and African-American, she wouldn't have even been considered, and yet when she is asked what a woman is, she doesn't know. She doesn't even know, and that's why she's there, because she fell into that category. You know, Carol, you're exactly right, and thank you for the phone call. Um, And, of course, we know that she doesn't not know. It's not that she doesn't know what a woman is. She refused to say it, because she knew she didn't have to answer this question, because she had the votes. Because the Republicans, or excuse me, the Democrats control the Senate by way of the tiebreaker with Kamala Harris. Even if three turncoat Republicans, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and Susan Collins, had not voted for her, she knew that she was going get, to get confirmed. So she felt, felt like she didn't have to answer the tough questions. I can't tell you how many times she said, I don't know, I'm not aware, I don't know, I don't know. She said, I don't know, countless numbers of times throughout the entire confirmation hearings. I dubbed her on the air that she's, instead of Senator KBJ, which is Ketanji Brown-Jackson, I was saying she's Senator IDK. Senator, I don't know. Because that's how she, what she said so many times. She didn't have to answer it. She knows what a woman is. She knows how she got nominated. She knows why she fit that category. But she is not going to immediately cross the American left, which is championing and supporting her quote-unquote historic appointment to the court. Thank you for that call. We'll come back to more calls, more messages, and a lot more conversation. Jim Jordan will be joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. When the mainstream media is always left, tune your radio to the right and find a voice of reason amid the liberal chaos. Always right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. 938, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. Let's waste no time. Let's welcome Congressman Jim Jordan back to our program for his regular regular Monday conversation. Congressman Jordan is the uh, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. Good, good morning to you, too. <clears throat> good to talk to you, as always. Uh, Congressman, this, this is... Um, this war on science, I've decided to start calling it a war on science um, because yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. You know, we've had lots of wars on this, that, and the other thing, but the left's refusal to acknowledge human, uh, basic human anatomy, human biology, human physiology, chromosomal science, it's a war on science. 
And mm-hmm. it's one thing for it's one thing for a pundit to say I don't know what a woman is. It's another thing for a Supreme Court <laughs> justice nominee to say I don't know what a woman is. But when you're the Secretary of Health and Human Services, that's yeah, a pretty doggone important position. You ought to be able to define what a woman yeah. is. Xavier yeah. Becerra refused to do so. Yeah. So yeah. let me start with let me start with this. Show them how easy this is. Congressman Jordan, what is a woman? Yeah, this is the craziest. Like, everyone knows what a woman is, and it's not Leah Thomas, and it's not Rachel Levin. I mean, come on. This is how, but, but you're not allowed to say that today. Just like Dr. Fauci couldn't tell us that, oh, natural immunity is a real thing. It, it is all politics, and there is no, like, fact, truth, common sense left. And it drives me, and it drives you, and I, and I know all your listeners crazy. Everyone knows what a woman is, and it's not, it's not what the, the left is trying to say. Is It's not uh, Leah Thomas uh, competing against women in sports. It's not Rachel Levin, who got what, – what'd she get? Like, she got like uh, – uh, didn't USA Today make her uh, woman of the year? Yeah, and one, this, of, this one, whole, one of the this, women this, of the year, yeah. Yeah, this is the whole Babylon Bee, uh, the, 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 the B, because the B says we're not going to take down our tweet uh, and, and bend the knee to the crazy left because uh, we, we got common sense, for goodness sake. So, yeah, that, that, that's right. Yeah, well, you know, it, it drives me crazy, too. Um, and, and I want to know why this is so difficult for people, because it's not just Xavier Becerra. Health and Human Services, um, the Daily yeah. Caller surveyed all 100 senators. Um, 50 out of 50 Democrats refused to answer what a woman is. But Congressman, only 15 out of 50 Republicans gave an answer. Uh, the rest of them yeah. either said, I don't know, or they did not respond. I mean, that is astounding to me. We are talking about basic science that your fourth and fifth and sixth grader has to know uh, for their health classes, that a, that a, that a woman has two X chromosomes and uh, right. is capable of bearing children or is uh, is yeah. born with the reproductive organs. They don't always work, as we know. There are some women who yeah. can't. I love how they try to say, well, are you saying that if I don't have a uterus, if I've had a hysterectomy, uh, I'm not a God. woman? But but you're yeah. born with the ability to to bear children or the reproductive yeah. organs, and, and just say these things. It cannot be, well, it depends on how she, uh, he, this person feels that day. No, it's crazy. It, it's the state of today's left. Uh, you know, my, my gut tells me some, some people just don't want to get into it because no one likes to talk about, you know, the, the, those sort of things. That's why I just stick with the common sense. Everybody knows it. Everyone knows. Every kid, everybody, everybody knows. Uh, but, but, but today's left, they want to... Uh, they want to the, all this political, you know, craziness. Um, again, I think the vast majority of the country has figured it out, just like they figured everything out about the, the, the Biden administration and the left that runs the Democrat Party. They understand that they've screwed up every policy area, and now they're even trying to, to, to redefine, uh, you know, male and, and female. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, just for the sake of it, uh, Merriam-Webster describes woman or defines woman as um, a an adult female. And then, so you go to female, yeah. <laughs> you go to female, and, and it's very, very direct. The being yeah. uh, uh, of, relating to, or being the sex that has the capacity to bear young or produce eggs. Yeah, of course. That's it. Of course. Le- Le- Leah Thomas does not have that. As you say, Rachel Levine does not have that. Neither does anybody else. And yet, they want to try to teach children from kindergarten up. And in fact, it's happening in preschools that that is not the case. That it's, it depends on how you feel. And when you are born, you are not going to be confined to that particular sex. You can be whatever it is you feel like you want to be. And that is going to destroy, well, 
Well, it's going to destroy children's minds, but it's also going to destroy the historically uh, de- uh, defended definition of the word science as well. So, it's- well, what gets me too is the is the press. You know, the the, the USA Today. Uh, uh, Rachel Levine is now, uh, you, you know, one of the women of the year. I mean, the, the, like, what? What? I, I just don't. I again, I don't. I don't get it, but. You well, know. and you know, and and I, and I don't either, and that's the reason I want to talk about the absurdity of this. But but you know, here's here's the the, the difficulty, because we don't get it, and and nobody is stepping up to defend and define these these scientific and biological uh, uh, words and definitions. Children are being abused in this way. A headline in the New York Post yesterday: New Jersey gender identity lessons for first graders prove parents were right to worry. And that's exactly correct. We are not talking about, you know, um, a small number of people. This is coast to coast and nationwide, this massive rainbow agenda to try to teach children that they aren't what God made them as, or they don't have to be if they decide to make up their minds under extreme urging from their teachers and others that they, that they can be something else. (laughs) Congressman, I find it very dangerous. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, I guess uh, when 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 you probably Bob, you're probably me. When you were you and I in first grade, we're trying to figure out that we want chocolate or vanilla ice cream when we're at the thing, and sometimes your dad had to say, "Just pick one." You know, like so. It's like you. It's like this is these are first graders. Teach them to read and write. Teach them get them in get them in gym class. Get them busy. I mean, it's like what the heck? Why do we have to talk about those kind of things with with young people? This doesn't make well, sense. The president of the United States is still trying to figure out chocolate or vanilla most days. Um, all right, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Congressman, let's let's move into this. I've asked you in the past if and when the red wave, uh, the red tsunami hits this November, um, if the Republican-controlled Congress, and again, I knock on wood and I say a prayer to God that that happens, um, will you pursue potential impeachment of, of Joe Biden for a variety, a host of, of issues, uh, not the least of which is the surrendering of American sovereignty and security by way of our southern border? And you've talked about that. Now the speaker has. And Kevin McCarthy says, nope, GOP has no plans to use impeachment the way Democrats did against Joe Biden. You're, you have a response to that? Well, I, I think I think it's going to be a conference decision. I think when you go into that, you you got to you got to look at the Republican conference. And if, in fact, the American people give us the majority and put us in control, that'll be a decision we will make as a as a conference. Uh, you have to do that. But I, I think there's some. So so we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll see where all the members are and and frankly we'll see what happens between now and then what Joe Biden's doing we know you, you know we know that they have completely and, and and it has to be deliberate it has to be intentional what they've done uh, to to the chaotic situation on our border we, we they've completely messed that up so that there's that issue not enforcing the laws of our country there is this whole Hunter Biden situation we'll see how that 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 you know pans out because it sure seems like Joe Biden misinformed the people. Not, not, not since he's been president, but before when he told us that there was, he had no involvement and his son wasn't involved with, with companies with ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And as I said uh, just yesterday, there are 4.8 million reasons why that statement is not accurate because the Washington Post did that story with uh, showing that CEFC, the big Chinese uh, energy company, had given Hunter Biden $4.8 million. So um, there's those issues, but I think that's a decision that's going to get made by the conference, and that's how it, that's how it works in our system. Is the party in, in the majority if they're if they're looking to or whatever party if they're looking to impeach a president that's typically made uh, as a conference wide decision? Well, I wasn't going to ask you about the laptop again today because we cover that a lot. Um, but since you sure. brought it up, um, how on earth can we possibly 
expect a fair investigation of the information that is on that laptop that has now been confirmed to be authentic and not as fifty one uh, independent or fifty one individual uh, yeah. or retired um, uh, former intel yeah former intel officers yeah. said as Russian disinformation. Um, how can we get a fair investigation without an independent investigator? Yeah, I think it's tough, um, you know, because this is the same Justice Department, as we've talked about before, that, that's treating moms and dads as domestic terrorists. So um, I think it's tough. It's why 18 months ago I, I said that we should look at a, at a special counsel. So we'll see. Now, again, Merrick Garland will get to have a, a say in who that special counsel is. So there's, there's that concern as well. But that's, that's how our system works. And if we go special counsel, that's, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll go that way. One of my biggest concerns, and we sent a letter on this last week, is these 51 former Intel officials who told us that it was Russian disinformation, which we now know was not true. Mm-hmm. And when, when they mislead us, like those people did, it, it, it's like when Adam Schiff um, uh, was, uh, came forward three years ago and said there's more than circumstantial evidence that President Trump colluded with Russia. So he makes that statement, not just as any member of Congress, not just as any citizen, not just any member of Congress, but as the chairman of the Intel so, uh, Committee. So it has added weight. Same thing with these 51 former Intel officials. When they say something like, wow, these were Intel people, they, they sort of have some knowledge that, that the normal American doesn't have. And we give it added weight. And so when they misinform us, that, that, that I think is even worse than someone else uh, mis- misleading the country. And, and so we're, we're going to try to find out why these officials said what they said, who they talked to, how they put this thing together. Um, because it's dangerous when you got – it's bad enough when anyone is mis- misinforming the country, particularly right before a presidential election. But when these guys did it, with the added weight of being former intelligence officials, um, that's even worse. Can you tell me, Congressman Jim Jordan, why we haven't heard more from Tony Bobulinski since even CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post admitted that the laptop is real and that the documentation on it is real? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know because, I mean, any other time you have an eyewitness to something, someone who was part of the group where the problem was, uh, and they're willing to come forward and tell the, you know, tell what happened, normally that person is front and center in the news every single day. So, yeah, it is kind of strange. But, you know, uh, 18 months ago, the mainstream press said the laptop wasn't real. They said the eyewitness wasn't real. They said the, the, the documents weren't real. So, um, and of course, that's all that's all changed. Uh, so yeah. I don't know why that that's the case. Uh, you know, I don't want to you don't have to answer it. But but the, the conspiracy theorist in me and there's a tiny, tiny sliver of that in me wonders if he hasn't been threatened. You better keep your mouth shut. We heard what you said before. We ignored it and we got it buried by by the social media companies, buried the New York Post. Um, and that was the end of it. It's back now, and if you open your mouth, I just wonder if he doesn't want to find himself suicided. Uh, but you don't have to. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I hope not. I don't know. I don't know that. That's I know the case, you don't. That's I, why I, you I, don't have to answer I, it. That's I, speculative on yeah. my part. I, and it, but uh, but I'll tell you what. I, I I find it very odd that he was out there and telling the truth about all of this back back before the election, and now that it's been verified that he was telling the truth, why is he not yeah. back in front of cameras? And I can only think it's self preservation or family preservation. Yeah. But that's just a thought. Well. Um, I do think it's interesting how this story has changed so dramatically because remember the the the, the evolution was uh, it was first it wasn't even his laptop then it was oh no no it's Hunter Biden's laptop but it's Russian disinformation and now now it's uh, well yeah but it wasn't really Russian information but Joe wasn't involved in any way and then finally it's well Joe was involved but he didn't do anything wrong and now that looks like it might be even breaking down um, so that this story has changed dramatically. And I think the mainstream press has finally had to say, we're going to have to write about this, which the Washington Post did 11 days ago. As, as I said, I think last week, two stories within 
four minutes of it, two eight-page stories at 11 a.m., 11.04, two long stories within four minutes of each uh, other talking about um, you know, just how serious this thing is. Well, uh, Congressman Jordan, our time is short here, so I'm going to have to limit this to one more question. Um, it was Twitter and it was Facebook that buried the New York Post when this whole thing came out yeah. before the election, as you know. And a lot of people have been celebrating, myself included, Elon Musk's purchase of 9.2% mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. company of Twitter with the promise of restoring for free speech, First Amendment. He's a First Amendment absolutist, he said, and he was going to go to the board of directors and make huge changes there. Leftists at Twitter are fleeing the company. They're all upset and they're angry. And now we find out over the weekend that Elon Musk has changed his mind. He is declining the offer to join Twitter's board. So yeah, do you think yeah. his presence as the biggest shareholder in the company will change anything after all? Oh, yeah, I, I still think that that has huge implications, and, and, and uh, I think that's important. So he's still the biggest shareholder, uh, so he's not on the board. I, I, you know, he's, I, I think he's, he, as a biggest shareholder in, in, in the company, you're going to have influence. So, yeah, I, I think that's good. I mean, he's a libertarian kind of, kind of guy, free speech kind of guy, our kind of guy on, on the First Amendment. So I still think he's going to have influence. Um, and that's important because, as, as we've talked before, this is now the public square, these, these social media platforms where, where people debate and discuss and, and talk politics and all kinds of other uh, pressing issues. So you want, you want, a, you want a First Amendment-friendly uh, type of uh, attitude uh, towards that. And frankly, that's not what we've gotten from any of these platforms when it comes to conservatives. So I, I still view it as, as really good news that, that Mr. Musk is uh, the biggest, um, biggest shareholder in Twitter. Well, we should all pray that there is an impact there because something has to be done to stop these left-wing uh, platforms from shutting yeah. out, shutting out uh, dissenting voices. This is a direct attack on the First Amendment, and somebody needs to fight back, and let's hope that Elon Musk is uh, leading that charge. Uh, Congressman yep. Jordan, a lot of uh, tough information to get through this morning. I really appreciate it, sir. Thank you. We'll talk again. You bet. Thanks. Right. There's Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 952. We'll take a quick time out. We've got time for phone calls before the top of the hour. When you're ready to make them, 216-901-0945. Always Red Radio. Okay, 957, let's get a call or two in here before the top of the hour and a conversation forthcoming with um, senatorial candidate Mike Gibbons. A little controversy there. Mike Gibbons made a statement back in September about middle-class taxes that is uh, suddenly going viral, and he's going to explain to us what he meant by that coming up at 1010 in an exclusive interview. For now, let's go to Akron. Tanya, you're on Always Right Radio. Good morning. Tanya, can you hear me? Good morning. How are you? you? I'm good, Tanya. Thanks. Go ahead. Uh, So, Jim Jordan disappointed me because he really didn't define what a woman was. He just said we all know, and he used uh, people to describe it. No, that doesn't work. A woman is a female adult, XX chromos. And during Holy Week, I would have said the only one who could have given birth to Jesus Christ. Okay, we have to be as blunt and not that, play around. That that last line, by the way, is awesome. I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know. Yeah, very well done. It, Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. So we have we have to you know we talk we have to stand up for the right thing. Parental rights. New Jersey is going to be teaching, uh, you know, first graders that is purple and pink or something. You heard that you said Lorraine County is doing something. We have to stop these pedophiles from going after our kids. Grandparents of America, stand up, 
take your kid, your grandchildren back right now. And parents, do the same. I know you're scared, but this is America. We stand up for our, our children. If we can't stand up for our children, we deserve not to be a nation. That didn't used to be a controversial issue, did it? That used to be an expected standard thing that we would defend and stand up and protect the most defenseless among us, which are our children. We used to stand up for women, but now we can't define what a woman is. Unless, of course, you have pledged to choose a woman for vice president and to choose a woman for Supreme Court justice. Then suddenly we can define that's a woman. But that woman can't define that she is a woman. I mean, the insanity here and how the American left can go on the air every single day on television stations and in, in print in the Post and the Times and so forth, how they can go on and defend this lunacy as being protective and as being right, um, how the, the transportation secretary, not that he matters much in this, this realm, but, but he is a part of the LGBTQ movement, how he can say that the Florida law which says you can't talk about sex with kindergarten through third graders is going to kill children. And people just accept that and say, yeah, and not fight back and say, what is the matter with you? How is it going to kill children for teachers to not be able to talk about sex with their very young, non-sexualized children, for crying out loud, in their classrooms? This is just a, this is the kind of thing that does break down a culture. The, and thank you for the so call, Tanya. You, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry I ran too long Gibbons. there. Yeah, I'm sorry I ran okay. too long there in responding to you, but I got to get to our news because I got Mike Gibbons waiting on the other side. But uh, but this is how a culture breaks down. This is how it gets destroyed. It's in progress right now. News time now. We're going to talk to Mike Gibbons about taxes and more uh, coming up on AM 1420. The answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks to, thanks to Jim Jordan joining, joining us uh, last uh, half hour on Always Right Radio. It is uh, Monday, the 11th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. So over the weekend, uh, some video slash audio surfaced from this past September. It's not that it was hidden, but I don't think too many people saw it until recently because suddenly, boom, there it was on the AP. Boom, there it was on Breitbart. Boom, there it was on The Blaze. It was on virtually every website going viral as it pertains to the um, GOP Senate primary to replace Rob Portman. Front runner in the polls, Mike Gibbons, in comments he made back in September on a podcast questioning whether or not the middle class is really paying any kind of a fair share. Uh, as it has gone viral, and so has the criticism of Mike Gibbons. I wanted to give him a chance to explain and answer the questions about this. So joining us right now is still the front runner, although the race is very, very tight, about three weeks or so now away from Election Day, with early voting already underway. Josh Mandel and J.D. Vance are pretty much neck and neck right there with Mike Gibbons now. But joining us is Cleveland businessman and GOP candidate Mike Gibbons. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How was your weekend? Uh, well, 
Um, it was uh, it was okay. I, I had a little bit of time off, not much, but uh, well, uh, but the, it's, the... it's it's a pretty pretty big grind. But I've got to watch these commercials that. Uh, where things are taken out of context, where things are twisted, uh, you, you know, if you, if you, I just listened to you talk about this podcast, and uh, well, if before you, before you, re- podcast, before you, re- yeah, yeah, before you yeah. respond to it, Mike, I want to play the part that is uh, the thirty seconds that have been uh, circulating and right. going viral, and get you to kind of give sure. give context to it, give give your explanation to it, and uh, sure. and we'll do that now. So let's uh, let's listen. This is the uh, thirty seconds of the uh, podcast from September of last year. Uh, Mike Gibbons on taxation for the wealthy and taxation for the middle class. The top 20% of earners in the United States pay 82% of federal income tax. Um, We only have, and if you do the math, and 45 to 50% don't pay any income tax, you can see the middle class is not really paying any kind of a fair share, depending on how you want to define it. Now, the problem is, is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is the middle class is getting screwed and the, and the, the wealthy, the, the elite are, are getting, are, are cheating everybody. The top. Tw- okay. So Mike, um, let's, let's talk about the middle portion of that. After you break down that the top 20% of earners pay 82% of the taxes and then you say 45 to 50% don't it's, pay it's federal income, income tax. tax yes. Yeah. Right. Federal income tax. Yeah. And then you say 45 to 50 percent don't pay any income tax, which I'm assuming you mean those are the people that are that are below the poverty line and below uh, federal income taxes at all. Then you say the middle class isn't really paying any kind of a fair share. What does that mean? Well, yeah, I was I was discussing the Democrat narrative. I was defending the the the, uh, Trump tax cuts. And And my my point was that the Democrat narrative is totally false. First of all, I don't believe in any in increasing taxes on anybody. I've taken a pledge. I took one in 2018. I took it again. Um, you know, my whole goal is to lower taxes, and, and, and we have to do that by uh, getting rid of the ridiculous spending going on at the federal level. Um, but my, my my attack was on the Democrat narrative, and I said, you know, these guys say nobody pays their fair share. And the reality is they never define what fair share is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to see lower taxes across the board. And, and when they were attacking, you know, and, and you know what the Democrats have been said about the Trump tax cuts. And, and I said, you know, the, the problem is nobody ever says what a fair share is. And I was saying it, you know, more sarcastically against the not more, not more. It was sarcastically against the, uh, the 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 Democrat narrative, which is never true. And uh, you know, all I can say is is that uh, that I, you know, I believe in lower taxes, and you know, I you know how I grew up. Uh, you know, taxes hit us hard, and uh, and and I. <laughs> It, it, you know, I, when, when I first started uh, in this campaign, I'd get a lot of good feedback from people, and I'd say, how come we're not in first place? And, uh, and they go, you don't want to be in first place, Mike. They're going to make up stuff uh, from whole cloth, and that's what's been going on literally every day. If I see one more commercial, I, I just turn the TV off now. 
because they've well, they're, well, you you're, you're going to want to turn your everything. TV off a lot now because you know they're about to make yeah. a ton of commercials on this. Your opponents are going to yes, be right. not only in the uh, not only, hold on a second not only in the primary you're going to get this from from your opponents, but if you end up winning the nomination on May third, you're going to get this from Ryan's camp, uh, uh, you right. know, forever. Absolutely. And and let me let me play the end of it again because when I first yeah. heard it and when I played it um, in the open this morning right after nine o'clock. I was dismayed by your tone at the end when you, when you kind of say that the you know the narrative is the middle class uh, uh, doesn't pay its fair share and, and that the, the the wealthy are trying to screw you. Uh, I want to play this again and then get your context on. Now the problem is is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is the middle class is getting screwed and the and the the wealthy the elite are are getting are, are cheating everybody. It sounded, in the way I described it before, it sounded like you were being very uh, dismissive of the narrative that the, the middle class is getting screwed. But what you're saying is that you were being dismissive because you were being sarcastic, that this isn't what you think, yes. this is what the Democrats say. It isn't at all what I think. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a politician, Bob, and, and obviously I, uh, you know, my, my campaign wants me to talk in sound bites. I guess I'd be far better off if I did. What I was saying is, Donald Trump's tax cuts set this company country back on the right track. And and the Democrats are saying it was surely and all, only in, in, in favor of the wealthy. And it, it, the problem is everybody's paying too much taxes. I mean, and, and that's how the Democrats pose the whole issue. They go, you know, people aren't paying their fair share. And by the way, I think, you know, the Democrats – would like to have everybody pay more taxes, but it was it wasn't what I think. It's what I, it's what the Democrats think and what Mike, they is say. There, is there more? Is yeah. there more in the interest of context? Is there more yeah. video uh, of this? Obviously, it wasn't a thirty-second podcast interview. So, do you right, have right. the before and the after that sets up that what you were talking about was? What I, the do, Democrats I don't. I, I I don't. But uh, but I can tell you, it's it's got to be out there. Yeah, well, I mean, who did the podcast? Can you contact the pod? I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking, as I've said to you a million times, and I've said to Josh Mandel yeah. a million times, and to J.D. Vance a million times, I want this to be a great, fair fight for this nomination, because I want the right guy to emerge, and I don't want right, misunderstandings, mischaracterizations, or out-of-context things to define this race. So is it kind of incumbent upon you and your campaign to get it? To find that context, well, I think, to find the well, rest of that and, and, we're doing, and show it. Yeah, while we're doing it, the problem is it's it's like a twenty minute podcast. That's all right. People, like have, two people have twenty minutes. Throw. And you know, and it was uh, it was this it was out of context. It was taken and and the way it, those particular words sound make it sound like I somehow want to raise the taxes on the middle class. Which well, is that is exactly yeah. That is exactly how ever. it sounds. Yeah. That's exactly how it sounds, yeah, and that's right. what your opponents are saying. Here's um, here's JD Vance, who was on with Charlie Kirk. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. You definitely have some some Republicans running in the corporate model of the GOP, the Chamber of Commerce model. You know, one example is you know this guy Mike Gibbons, who's actually a, a nice guy, uh, but he's proposed raising taxes on middle class Americans and of course middle class <laughs> Ohioans. And you sort of look at what's going on in our country and you recognize that, you know, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, they pay a lower tax rate than any middle class Ohioan. Why are we raising taxes on middle class Ohioans, right? Why so that's well, that's just a small taste. Raising, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've never proposed raising taxes on anybody. 
Uh, I mean, I, throughout my entire campaign, all I've said is we need lower taxes, less regulation, and that's how this economy will boom. And, and I've, I've never varied from that. If you take that one sentence out of context, it sounds because I was, again, attacking the Democrat Party. Uh, it had nothing to do with me wanting to raise taxes, and, and that's just a false statement, period, flat-out false. I've never, ever said that I want to raise taxes on the middle class. It never will. Let, let me ask you this, Mike. How do you um, yeah. how do you respond to the characterization? You know, the first I told you, I saw this in a ton of places on conservative websites everywhere. Right. People who think right. like you do, and they're shocked by this. And the first one that I saw was on redstate.com that described oh, I you. Saw that. Yeah. yeah, that described you as uh, the establishment candidate here, saying establishment <laughs> GOP front runner. Right. You you probably saw this establishment GOP front runner. Uh, uh, torch his own campaign by essentially saying the middle class doesn't pay its fair share. How, if, aside from the, that part which you just explained, you were being sarcastic and attacking the Democrats yes. for that narrative. Where do you yeah. think they get that, that you're the establishment guy? Uh, you know, uh, actually, I laughed about it. You, you know, and, and here's the crazy thing. J.D., the guy that we just heard speak, he was handpicked by, by Mitch McConnell. I mean, if you, you could go back and look... we. We have a ton of uh, of articles where Mitch McConnell was interviewing J.D. Vance in 2017 and 18 because he thought he'd be a great Senate candidate. And it was Mitch McConnell that uh, that, that brought him into this into this race. And, and we know Mitch McConnell just you know donated to Liz Cheney. So uh, I'm hardly an establishment content, uh, competitor here. I mean, I was uh, uh, I, in, the, in the last election when I. Yeah, I got in too late, but the establishment freaked out when I started doing well. And I'm like the least establishment candidate running for office in this race. I'm certainly not, uh, you know, I've I've given to Republican candidates over the years. I was never really involved in in the political game, and I guess I know why I wasn't now. Um, But uh, but I've never been considered of an establishment candidate ever by anybody. So I know <laughs> the establishment doesn't feel that way. <laughs> let 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 me go back. Um, you said uh, at the very beginning of the conversation you have been turning the TV off for a bit because you're sick and tired of seeing the commercials. Um, right. I, so let me let me let me just kind of I, I interviewed Josh a week ago back on Tuesday, or maybe it was Wednesday. Beg pardon. And I told him what I said to him that it was the second time I had him on since the fracas on stage, right? Where you guys were most right, right. And I told him that this campaign that he was waging, the $750,000 ad buy to put gold star moms and veterans up there to say that you said <laughs> something that you didn't say. And I, and, 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 and I said, he said, well, you can have your opinion on what he said. And I said, no, there is no opinion. It's on tape. <laughs> what you said was that he had no experience in the private sector. Uh, ever and that you didn't know squat and he took that as an attack on somehow his military service and the campaign that came after that i thought was shameful and i told him so um and he uh, he essentially promised me that those were over because he was starting a new campaign now um and yet i have seen They're those i've seen those ads right <laughs> since that time so he wasn't honest with me you came out with your own military people saying mike mike yeah. gibbons never said that and his own son is in the military this is garbage is this going to go on until may 3rd do you think and what impact do you think it'll have on voters well you know if people really listen to what i say it won't but but you know they're they're seeing the same thing i am i mean i they, they take these 
um, uncomplimentary pictures and, and make me look like uh, I'm some kind of a, uh, you know, drunken, in a, you know, I, 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 it's just uncomplimentary as possible. They put the, the, those on the screen and then they have me, uh, they're claiming I'm making points that I'm not making and, and never have. And, and I guess this is part of politics, the part that I guess I didn't know was going to be this bad. Um, you know, I, I can handle myself. I mean, I, if, if we were, if JD and I were to debate on taxes, I have absolutely no doubt that I know, uh, substantially more about corporate taxes and personal taxes than JD Vance does. He hasn't had the experience, but, uh, you know, everything from me being an established, establishment, uh, candidate to me being, uh, anti-military, uh, pro-China. Uh, you know, there was actually somebody at a, a rally that, that I was at who said, I heard that you're a member of the Chinese Communist Party. And I think, what? It's like, it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's yeah, coming poli- from whole cloth, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah politics are, are very ugly and nasty. I hate dishonest politics. It's one thing to campaign negative, and you can be negative on Josh Mandel and his, because you did after he accused you of Chinese sure. investments and so forth. Um, as a matter of fact, I would like to follow up on that. Can, uh, but you know mm-hmm. what? It's, t- it's 1024 here. Can you give me a quick 30 or 60-second time out here and come back and answer a few more questions? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. good, because there's, more, there's more, more ground to cover here. Uh, we're talking to Mike okay. Gibbons. He is a GOP Senate candidate. We'll uh, come right back after this on Always Right Radio. Okay, 1026. I've got four minutes left with Mike Gibbons here. We ostensibly started talking about the tax issue, which is, again, something that I think is going to be an issue until the rest of the context is provided there. But, Mike, uh, the other thing is when I was debating uh, Josh uh, Mandel about the tactics of the campaign, which I did not like, um, I said, you know, there's plenty of other things you can attack Mike Gibbons on without actually uh, making stuff up that he didn't say on that debate stage about military service. So his response right. was to go back into the full-on uh, Chinese investment uh, discussion. He talked about companies right. that you bought, co- companies that you sold, uh, jobs that were exported to China, and the impact it has on Ohioans. <laughs> those are those are real issues that, that Ohioans care about in this race. Uh, and you right. responded with some of your own ads about Josh Mandel and his uh, ties to Chinese companies, particularly when he was the state of Ohio treasurer. You want to address that? Right. Hello? Mike? Yeah, I said, did you want to address that, Mike? Yeah. Um, first of all, we've never sold any Ohio company to China. That we've never sell, sold any company at China. Um you know, it's, it's. I think in, in the history of our comf- company, we, we've done thousands of transactions uh, over the years, and we've been around a long time. That's not. That's not what we've ever ever done. Uh, he pointed out an investment that he, that it was in my listings that you put in for the Federal Elections Commission. Uh, that was a Chinese company, and while he was actually saying that, he owned shares in Alibaba, which is the company that that surveils the entire Chinese population. Uh, so, I mean, literally while he was saying it, he was accusing me of the same thing. That, uh, he was doing the same thing he was accusing me of. You know, the the, the ownership of that those shares was in a in a mutual fund. <laughs> I mean, and I frankly didn't even know I, 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 I had owned it, and I didn't anymore. I didn't even know I had owned it until he bought it out. And, 
And then he said, I made millions of dollars off of this event, which is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it, every single step of the way, it's been an exaggeration. It's either out of context or just a flat out lie. And Mike, Mike let me boil know, it down. Let yeah. me boil it down here yeah. because uh, you, you want to be in the United States Senate. You're going to have bills that come before you, and you're going to have the opportunity to propose bills yourself relative to right. China, relative to foreign trade, relative to uh, investments in in foreign companies, and so forth. Right. Especially considering the human rights violations in China that so many of us are disgusted by. It's why we hate Nike and others. Can you just, if you're in the United States Senate, what will your policy China, toward China be? China is our enemy. It's our enemy number one. And, you know, back 15 years ago, Bob, everybody thought that they were going to come our way and they were going to provide freedom to their uh, to their population. They didn't do that. Xi Jinping came in and he's taken them right back into the communist uh, method of doing business. Uh, every chance I've gotten, I'm, I'm, I've been on corporate boards. I've been, I've, I've always cautioned anybody about getting even close to China. I'm on a corporate board where, uh, prior to me being on the board, they had a manufacturing operation in China, and I used to sit there and listen to how they had stolen our design, stolen our IP, and started a company across the street a few months after we went there. And I said, well, why are we there? And, uh, and, and you know, I'm, I'm one voice. But I've, I've said that to, to businessmen all over Ohio. We have to be careful of China. They are our enemy. And everybody has some connection to the Chinese Communist Party. And they're all, they actually care about their country over there, unlike our Democrat Party. And, and we, have to, we have to eliminate any involvement in China. We need to, to, to move our production facilities back here. And that's what Donald Trump was doing. And... Part of getting our economy going is lowering taxes and reducing useless regulation. That is what needs to be done. I've, I've said that on every stump speech I've ever given, and I haven't changed my mind. I never will change my mind. They are our enemy number one, and you will find nobody that is more resistant to anything going on with China than I will be. All right, that and, point is very and, and clear. I like, and that's, and, and, uh, no, I, I've got yeah, to move on here, Mike. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm glad you made that very direct statement. Um, yeah. What was less direct, of course, was the issue involving taxes here, where you say you were being sarcastic, and the other context around that comment yes. would prove that. Uh, can you confirm for me right now on live radio that your team will locate the other 20 minutes of that? Yeah, uh, yeah we'll that, get that. That we podcast, so that people can hear exactly what you were saying. Right, and in fact, you know. I had I had given that podcast a long time ago, and uh, and, and actually it's a pretty good discussion of the problems, uh, the, the the tax problems we have in this country, and why you know Trump had, had made such great strides in, in improving our situation here, and uh, and and you know it's a Democrat narrative. They they think they can get votes by saying certain things, and and in each case it's destructive to the American economy. Well, what the Trump tax cuts were is exactly what you said you support, and that is tax cuts cuts across the board from the from the, level the to board. middle level across the board, and that's what those were. So, Mike Gibbons, candidate for the United States Senate, I thank you for the time, and I thank you for the clarification yeah, thanks, on all of those thanks issues. Thanks for having me, Bob. You got it, and uh, please, if you would, I'll look, I'll look for the press release when we, we will have the be rest getting, of that we will uh, be getting it podcast. To you. Yes, excellent. Thank you, okay, sir. Great, uh, thank you. There's Mike Gibbons uh, on AM 1420. The answer. I like to uh, remind every Senate candidate. Uh, you have the opportunity to join me on these airwaves. 
Uh, I have talked to J.D. on a regular basis. I talk to Mike on a regular basis. I talk to Josh on a regular basis. Matt Dolan and Jane Timken, they don't reach out. Uh, but you have the opportunity, if you want to come on and you want to discuss these things, you know my number. You know where to reach me. We'll give you that equal time. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Let's get your reactions to what you just heard from Mike Gibbons on AM 1420 The Answer. upside down and the majority turns to the left turn to the right always right with bob france on am 1420 the answer 1039 onward we roll on this monday edition of always right radio thanks for being with us coming up in about a half an hour at 11 10 we're going to talk with uh, tom zawistowski the president of the we the people convention very prominent large conservative organization in northeast ohio that has made their endorsement in this Senate race. And their endorsement, as I said in the first hour, is of Mike Gibbons. Uh, Tom is going to explain why they chose Mike Gibbons over J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel, Jane Timken, and uh, uh, Matt Dolan. And uh, I look forward to hearing from him at, uh, at 1110. By the way, I'm also told that the Gibbons campaign does have the full podcast of that, inter- of, of that uh, uh, interview that he did with Crane's Cleveland Business. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it and or listening to it. I have not been, in fact, I was just made aware that it's supposed to be in my inbox now, and I don't see it. So uh, if you're still listening, Gibbons team, try it again because I'm not finding it, uh, and I would very much like to listen to it and uh, and see if the context that, that uh, Mike is talking about is the reality. If you just turned the radio on, you missed my exclusive interview with Mike Gibbons, who's responding to some national criticism for comments he made during the a podcast uh, interview with Crane's Cleveland Business back in September. In that interview, it appears as though he is calling for an increase on taxes on the middle class by saying that the middle class isn't paying any kind of a fair share. His explanation to me was, no, he was dis- using the narrative that the Democrats use, that they're the ones saying that the middle class doesn't pay its fair share and they should have the taxes raised on them. Listen to it for yourself. Again, this is 30 seconds. That's without the context of the before and after that we, of course, are looking for in the rest of that podcast. But this is the 30 seconds that Mike just talked about. The top 20% of earners in the United States pay 82% of federal income tax. Um, we only have, and if you do the math, and 45 to 50% don't pay any income tax, you can see the middle class is not really paying any kind of a fair share, depending on how you want to uh, define it. Now, the problem is, is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is the middle class is getting screwed and the and the, the wealthy, the, the elite are, are getting are, are cheating everybody. So there you have it. His explanation is that the reality of what the middle class pays and what the narrative of the Democrats say are two different things. The narrative is, in order to get the middle class to win an election, you have to say that the middle class is getting screwed and that the wealthy are the ones cheating everybody, and that is the Democrat narrative. On that part, by the way, he's right. That is the Democrat narrative. The question of whether or not Republican voters believe that's what he was intending to say is what? Well, that's up to you. And that's where that context might come in. So uh, the rest of the podcast from Crane's Cleveland Business, we are looking for, and we'll try to listen to it off the air. It's 20 minutes. I won't be able to play that entire thing, nor would I want to. 
Uh, but I will look for the cues and the clues uh, so that you can make up your own mind and uh, and decide what you heard and what uh, you think the reality is. All right, 216 Joanne is in Twinsburg. Hey, Joanne, go right ahead. Morning, Bob. Um, they're reporting the reason Musk declined his board seat is because it limits him as to how much stock he can own. Oh, how yes. big a share he can have. Yeah, you know, I read that. That's a strange... Saying, uh, you know, he's saying he wants more control. He's going to buy it up, is what it sounds like to me. According to the bylaws or whatever, when it comes to the right. investments, um, he cannot buy the 15, uh, up to 15%, or maybe if he goes over 15% of Twitter and remain on the board. I don't know right. why. It's kind of an odd thing. If somebody can buy yeah. 9% mm-hmm. of it and be the largest shareholder, he can be on the board. But if he buys more of it, he can't. I don't know exactly yeah. why that is, but it yeah. does kind of, you know, I, I don't know how to feel about that, Joanne. How do you feel about that? Because I well, don't know if that's I good mean, or bad. To be honest, I'm hoping he dismantles the whole damn thing. Well, so am I, <laughs> but he's not going to buy all of that and then tear it apart because then he would lose millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, so, well, I but, mean, but I, hope but, he, I mean, but if I, there's a guy out there who can afford to. Yeah, I mean, well, it's but, not like he won't have still have billions and billions and billions. No, no, but it would do no good though. I mean, he can buy something and dismantle it, and the uh, the the former well, owners I mean, of it know, can I just mean, build or, a new I mean, one. Either that, or he, I hope he just transforms it and gives people a chance to say what they got to say. Well, exactly, I mean, and that's what I'm talking about. And that's when I when I and thank you for the call, Joanne. That's what I mean when I say I don't know how to feel about this because. If he buys a larger share of it at 15%, one would think he would be more likely to do what he wants to do, and that is open it up to free speech. Yet, if he buys 15% of it, he can't be on the board. So how does he then impact you know, the decisions that are made regarding bans, shadow bans, uh, censored content, uh, and so forth? Don't you have to be on the board of directors to direct the board to change the policies? So I don't know how to feel about it. He owns 9.2% and was offered a seat on the board, at which point, as the largest shareholder, he could probably have made some noise and maybe made some of those changes. Now he says, I'm not going to go on the board because that limits the ability of me to buy more of it. But And so you think, okay, great, you're going to buy more of it? But then you can't be on the board, so what are you going to do with your ownership? You just, you just, you know, you just sit there and collect the proceeds from it? I don't understand the, the goal there. So that's the reason I don't know how to feel about uh, uh, Elon Musk's decision there. Uh, Navy man Norm is in Strongsville next. They am fourteen twenty. The answer, Norm. Good morning, you know, Bob. I'm, good morning, Bob. I'm always suspect of people that are multimillionaires talking about how we in the middle class are always getting screwed, especially when they're the ones that are negotiating with our sworn enemy, communist China. Uh, you can tell I am not a Gibbons fan. Uh, I'm not a fan of a man who makes in a statement in a public debate that women were never oppressed. I mean, that was one of the most asinine statements ever to come out of a candidate's mouth, including Republicans or Democrats. So I don't put much stock in what Mike Gibbons has to say, and that's just my position. Uh, Secondly, uh, just uh, as an aside about Mr. Buttigieg, it's amazing. He's worried about children being killed, but... The thousand or so children that are take lives are taken almost every day in this country and across the world by abortuaries and pro-abortion doctors doesn't concern um, doesn't concern him a whit, does it? It seems like the Democratic Party is totally blind to abortion deaths, the leading cause of deaths throughout the entire world, 
I noticed where the WHO, the World Health Organization, mm-hmm. has gone on record. Portions for everybody, any day, anywhere, no reasons, you can do it. And now to put the, shall we say, the cherry on the Sunday, Maryland and several other Democratic states are talking about a bill that would authorize babies' lives to be taken 28 days after they were born. 28 days after they are born. So what's the next step, Bob? Six months, a year, two years? Our children are in grave, grave danger. And if we don't stand up as grandparents, if we don't stand up as parents, shame on us. Then we deserve what is going to be coming down from heaven above. Just my two cents well, this morning. I'll tell you what, uh, Norm, and thank you for the call, my friend. Um, you're right. The situation is grave, and it's only getting worse. Last week, one of the headlines, Colorado Governor Jared Polis signed a bill to legalize abortions up to birth with no limits. And that means the horrendous, gruesome, barbaric murder of a child that is partially born. Halfway out of the birth canal, and they do it breach, They make sure to go inside and manipulate the child so that the child's feet come out first and is all the way delivered, all the way up to his shoulders or her shoulders before they, and I apologize for this, but this is reality, before they puncture the back of the child's head while it is still inside the mother, thus still being an abortion rather than murder of a newborn. They puncture the back of the child's head and use a suction to vacuum out its brain. I apologize for that. I I don't like hearing that any more than you do. But that's what partial birth abortion is. The child is birthed almost completely, with the exception of the head, which still remains in utero, or not in utero, but technically in the birth canal, and that means the child is still inside the mother, and now it's still a health care procedure as opposed to a murder. That's reality, and that was just signed into law in Colorado. It, the similar bills are being signed in states all over the place as the left and the pro-abortion lobby continues to fear that Roe might be overturned by this Supreme Court. If Roe is overturned, as you know, it doesn't eliminate abortions. If Roe is overturned, it simply sends the decision to the states. And the states, particularly the blue-led states, are, are making their preemptive moves now that nothing will change in their states even if Roe is overturned. So I'm with you, Norm. Uh, our children, our, our unborn children, they're in grave danger. Charlie's in Westlake next. Charlie, go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. You know I'm a Mandel guy. I, you know, I've marched in life marches with Josh Mandel. I did the Tea Party um, uh, rallies with Josh Mandel. I'm wondering where Gibbons has been. You know, that. Grover Norquist had all politicians sign no more taxes. All Republican con- uh, signed it. Josh did. I know James Timken did. But see, this guy's talking about raising taxes, and he insinuates. He doesn't say it out loud. He insinuates. He insinuated about types of work, and he's, now he's insinuating that the middle class doesn't pay its fair share. I don't know. The guy's a fat cat. He's just, uh, he's just another establishment. That's what I feel. 
All right. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the opinion. It's 1050. If you want to weigh in on it, we've got about 10 more minutes before we talk to Tom Zawistowski after the top of the hour news about uh, the We the People Convention's endorsement in this Senate race. If you want to hear, uh, I want to hear what you think about what Mike Gibbons just said. And also the clip I played for Mike Gibbons in which J.D. Vance uh, essentially accused him of saying we're going to raise taxes on the middle class. Gibbon said absolutely not. He is opposed to raising taxes. Uh, but obviously his opponents are going to make hay with this, uh, including opponents who are voters, too, like callers like Charlie. I want to hear what you have to say. That's what it's all about. This is what it's all about. You've got to listen and decide what you believe and what you feel from all of these candidates. And we are now less than, well, yeah, we're less than three weeks away from the primary election on May 3rd. Early voting has already started. Maybe you've already cast your vote. Let's hear you. 216-901-0945. Don't forget to leave your message also on alwayswrite.us. Right back. Ten fifty six, always right radio at AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. Don't forget Tom Zawistowski coming up uh, in about uh, fifteen minutes, thirteen minutes ish. We're going to talk to him. He's the uh, president of the We the People Convention, talking about this Senate race, as so many people are. By the way, speaking of races, this is pretty astounding. Um, there was a Twitter poll that was conducted. Obviously, non scientific. It's just Twitter. But it's a pretty large poll. It was conducted by Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is a conservative political pundit. He is the bane of the existence of liberals on Twitter. Um, he is uh, just as conservative as the day is long. And he decided to conduct a survey of his millions of followers and ask them which candidate they preferred in 2024. The last update I saw with 172,815 votes, which was Saturday night, and I think the poll might be over now, but 172,000 is a pretty large number of people voting. Who would you prefer in 2024? Ron DeSantis, 70.7%. Donald Trump, 29.3%. I thought that was just... I popping. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know what to make of it. But I tell you what, it's it's large. I know the CPAC straw poll came out differently with Donald Trump in front of Ron DeSantis as the number two by a large margin. But this is a he's got a massive conservative following online. Does Matt Walsh and seventy percent, seventy one percent rounding it up say they want DeSantis in twenty twenty four and not former President Trump. Very very interesting. Make of that what you will. And, in fact, I would love for you to do so at 216-901-0945. Jerry is in Brexville next. Hi, Jerry. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Bob, I think Mike Gibbons is a uh, good man, but he doesn't interview well. Uh, he doesn't. He's not as forceful, <clears throat> in my opinion, between him and Vance. That's what I am going right now. But he seems to get kind of mixed up, and I don't think I've ever heard him talk about immigration. Enough with Mike now. A woman is my mother, my daughters, my sisters, my nurses, my nuns, and every 
other job that these women do, and they also do a real good job in politics. So to me, that's what a woman, what a woman is. And I'm wondering when Mitt Romney is going to admit he is a Democrat. That's all I have to say, Bob. Thank you. You're Jerry, doing a good job. God Jerry, bless you. You're fighting. You, you, you beat me to the God bless you. I was about to say the same thing to you. God bless you, and thank you for that definition. I appreciate that. That is what a woman is. That's Jerry. Uh, my mother, my sisters, my, my daughters, my aunts, my nuns. Those are women, and I think a previous caller, Tanya, said it best, too. A woman is the only person capable of giving birth to our Lord Jesus Christ, especially during Holy Week. So to to say that during Holy Week means an awful lot as well. Thank you so much for the call. Great stuff, sir. God bless. It's 11 o'clock. We'll get news now. We'll come back and talk more about the Senate race. And if you want to react to that little mini Twitter presidential straw poll of 172,000 people, that said they'd rather have DeSantis than Trump. Maybe it's just a current events type of a thing because Ron DeSantis is killing it in Florida and fighting back against every liberal attack that there is. Maybe that's what it is, but I want your reaction to that, too, as we continue on Always Right Radio into hour number three. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools and our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes after 11 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. It's the 11th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2022. So Team Gibbons um, was listening, quite obviously. (laughs) Uh, They were listening to their guy doing an exclusive interview with me. And they heard me ask Mike Gibbons for the context He's claiming that the 30 seconds that have been put out there by his critics and his opponents and even some conservative news sites that say Mike Gibbons, GOP Senate frontrunner, calls for increase on middle tax. He said it was out of context, that he wasn't saying that's how he felt. He was saying that's what the Democrats say. This is their narrative. I challenged him to provide proof of that. Give us the context. Give us the rest of that podcast he did back in September. I said, if the Gibbons team is listening, get it in my inbox, please. They did. They were listening. It's in my inbox now. And as a matter of fact, I've got the context queued up. 
And I'm going to play it for you, but I'm going to do that within the course of our conversation now with our friend Tom Zawistowski. Tom Zawistowski, Tom Z, if you will, is the uh, president and leader of the We the People Convention, also the Portage County Tea Party. And his group, the uh, convention, the We the People Convention, has announced their endorsement in this Ohio Republican Senate race. He should tell us all about it and why. Hey, Tom Z, good morning. How are you? Hey, great to be with you, Bob. Boy, you know, you hear, you hear Mike Gibbons still talking, and it sure makes you realize why decent people don't want to get into the sewer of politics, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you it's know, just, he's told me. It's amazing. He's told me a number of times on the air and a couple of times that I've seen him off the air. Uh, that he is not a politician. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to say that, by the way. It's like such a great thing. To, I'm not a career politician. I'm just a regular guy. It's a, it's a badge of honor <clears throat> in politics. But he says it to me for the purpose of saying, look, I'm not smooth. I'm not a smooth, slick talker in sound bites. On a debate stage, getting what I want to say out in 60 seconds isn't going to sound great. And he's right. He, he doesn't debate well. Uh, J.D. Vance is very smooth, very polished, very slick. Josh is as well to a different degree. Mike says, I'm a talker. I need to talk and express and explain things in stories, not in short bites. And I'll tell you, uh, as a regular guy, He's right. He struggles in that. He struggles in interview settings where I've got to get that answer in 60 seconds or 120 seconds. I don't have 20 minutes to hear all of the context. It's tough for him. Yeah, I don't think you could have any more proof, Bob, that he's not a politician than the interview you just did with him. Right. And that's not a knock on Mike. I mean, it's one of the things I like about Mike. You know, he's not like, you know, thinking about, well, what do you want to hear before I say something? He's actually telling you what he thinks. And sometimes it's a little clumsy. And in the sewer that is politics today, you know, people take advantage of that. And and so it's up to us. And, and that's why I love you so much, man, because you do such a great job in your interviews. You ask hard questions, but you're fair. And and people like me, you know, who's Tom Zawistowski from the Weedy People Convention? Well, I know all these people. I've known these almost everyone in the Senate race I've known for years. Okay. I know them inside out. I know what's going on and why it's going on. And that gives us the ability, just like you have that knowledge and, and Jack Windsor and some of us others to, to guide people and, and kind of say, Hey, 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 you know, let's, let's have some perspective here. Let's show the 20 minute, you know, tape that, that what he really said. Cause I, again, I looked at, there's a longer one minute tape. Uh, that Mark Paquita, the other, he's a Senate candidate, right? Mark Paquita had this up on his YouTube channel four months ago, okay? And I can tell you, here's another little inside story for your listeners. I won't say who showed it to me, but let's just say he, he was a candidate for Senate, okay? And <laughs> okay. after he was no longer a candidate for Senate, he showed me over six weeks ago the video that's now out there that he said Josh sent to him. Okay, it's all contrived. It's all contrived. Charlie, you know, Charlie Kirk has J.D. Vance on his show last Friday, right, talking about, you know, the great J.D. Vance, except Peter Thiel gives millions of dollars to Turning Point USA. Now, I got news for you. Charlie Kirk and I are friends. Tom Zalostowski was the first person to ever recognize Turning Point USA and Charlie Kirk when I had him speak at the We the People convention like 10 years ago. And he, and he appreciates it. But he's getting millions of dollars from Peter Thiel to put J.D. Vance on, you know, the radio, national radio, instead of the other candidate. And we, the people, and you as a, as a real journalist, 
We need to help people understand that that's what's going on behind the scenes. And unfortunately, conservatives have this disease where we, we just can't help attacking each other and not the enemy. That's the part that's so amazing. Well, well of course, in primaries, it's all about attacking each other. You know that. And, and I'm okay with attacking, provided that it's not dishonest. I, I told Josh right. Mandel this. You know, if you want a negative campaign, you're allowed. You know, a positive campaign is here's why I'm great and why I'm the right guy for this job. Negative is here's why that guy stinks. And that's okay. I have no, that's politics. We all know that. But if you're going to make up lies out of whole cloth, that's where I draw the line. And that's why I got mad at Josh. And I'm still mad at Josh for still running that campaign that said that Mike, um, Mike Gibbons disparaged veterans and military service as not being real work. That is absolutely no way true, no way, shape, or form. But if he wants to attack Mike Gibbons on China, there's some grist for the mill. Mike's going to have to defend that. If Mike wants to attack J.D. Vance on Peter Thiel, and if Josh wants to attack J.D. Vance on Peter Thiel, uh, and, and, you know, coming from the big tech world and then claiming now that you're a candidate for Senate in Ohio that you're anti-big tech, which is what J.D. does, you know, go for that. Attack that. But I want attacks to be real and honest and not Democrat-like, which is fake and made up. That's where I draw well, and I agree with that. And then I'm going to I'm going to probably separate myself from you a little bit because in the primary, I do think there's there's our guys and there's the other guy. There's only two conservatives in this race. That's Josh Mandel and Mike Gibbons. And and let me be clear, you know, before people say, oh, you're endorsing Mike Gibbons, you know, you don't like Josh Mandel. There's nobody in the state of Ohio who has done more for Josh Mandel in the last 12 years than Tom Zawistowski and the We the People Convention. He was our candidate. I endorsed him in 18 before he dropped out. We helped him win his state races. And, and I've had a great relationship with Josh. But, but here's my problem. You know, Josh and Mike are our two best chances. So for Josh to spend all his time attacking Mike gives the opportunity for J.D. Vance and Jane Timken. And that's the enemy. Those people aren't conservative. They are not on our side. Jane Timken is Rob Fordman in a dress. Flat out. And J.D. Vance is a total phony. And so we can't be stupid enough. I said on my podcast at WeThePeopleConvention.org this Tom, Saturday, before, Tom, Tom, before you go on into that, finish, yeah. the, finish the field. Uh, thoughts on Dolan. Okay. Yeah. So, and Matt Dolan, I like Matt. I've known Matt for a long time. But Matt Dolan, to me, is Mitt Romney. He thinks he's a, re- he's a Republican, but he's really a Democrat. He votes for social issues that we don't agree with. He's... he's He's just not down with Trump. You've seen him at the debates, you know, saying, oh, the 2020 election was legitimate, you know, move on, all that stuff. Matt, but I'll tell you what, you can, you got to say this about Matt Dolan. He has not putting on any facades. He's not pretending to be anybody he's not. That's he's, true. He's actually talking about what he believes in. But J.D. Vance is lying. And Jane Timken, you know, I told people when this all started that before this was over, the fantasy that would be created of Jane Timken on TV, you'll think she's one of Trump's daughter-in-laws before this is over. <laughs> Jane Timken is a never-Trumper establishment person who didn't do anything to help Donald Trump. That's just a, I know that for a fact because I know how Donald Trump got elected in Ohio twice. And Jane Timken had nothing to do with it, and neither did Bob Paducah. That'll be, that'll, so be a con- that'll be a conversation for another day that I want to hear. Uh, I really do, uh, because she, oh, she you're I, right, I of, course she's, of course she's touting, you know, I, I was the chair of the ORP and we delivered Ohio for Donald Trump. That's how she phrases it, by eight yeah. points uh, and all of that nonsense. And I she takes love... out of context that Trump statement 
you know, at, at a rally that's a throwaway comment, and she's putting it out right. there like it's a Trump endorsement. That's right. not honest, folks. That's no, no, it's not. I agree. So, okay, so so you, let's save that conversation for another day so we can focus on your endorsement here. Uh, we'll talk more about the, the Jane Timken as ORP chair and Bob Paduchik, who continues to, in a cowardly fashion, refuse to interview on this radio program about what happened in February at that uh, at that uh, state central committee meeting uh, in which they endorsed Mike DeWine in a you know shameful and cowardly way. So let's talk about your endorsement here. You said there's only two guys. You've been a 12-year champion for Josh Mandel, but this time you and the We the People Convention are endorsing Mike Gibbons instead of Josh Mandel. Tom, give us give us the lowdown. Why? Okay. So as I said, you know, in my announcement, he's with us on all the issues, just like Josh is. You know, pro life, pro jobs, pro guns, pro Trump. You know, anti illegal immigration. You know, there, there's not much difference. So what? Why endorse Gibbons instead of Josh Mandel? Well, a couple things. One, money. Now I know people say. Geez, Tom, he's buying the Senate seat. What, is that news to us? Who hasn't been buying Senate seats forever? It's always the establishment who's buying the, the seats. Now we have a conservative who has the money to, if you want to call it, buy the seat. I say it's to have the money to actually compete with the people who are trying to buy the seat. And you want to trash him for that. I want to embrace him for that. This has never happened before. It's no small thing, Bob. This is the biggest spending race you and I have ever seen. Probably 40 or $50 million is going to be spent, and we need someone who can compete. Mike Gibbons can. And I'll tell you another thing. This may sound bizarre to your listeners, but when Mike told me he was going to run again, which I didn't think he was going to do after the first time, I said, Mike, listen, I can't support anybody who's not in it to win it. And he said, I promise you I will spend whatever it takes to win. Now, I've heard that from a lot of people, and you know some of the people who said that and didn't do it, just like I do. But Mike Gibbons kept that promise, and he's doing it, and he's doing it for us, for the conservative cause. That's important to us. That's worth endorsing. And here's the other part of it. If, because he's got the money, he's like Trump. He can't be bought. And when he serves in the Senate, he's not going to owe anybody anything but us, the voters of Ohio. That's important. All the rest of them, even Josh, has Club for Growth that's spending lots of money. Peter Thiel behind J.D. Vance. You know, all these other people have other people that they're going to have to, you know, answer to once they're elected. But here's another thing, Bob, and I think your listeners will really respond to this. We believe in term limits. And Mike Gibbons talks about it on, on the trail. And, and he says he doesn't want to run. He only wants to run one term or maybe two terms. Well, you know what? I don't want to elect anybody who's going to be in the Senate for 30 years. Josh Mandel is 44 years old. J.D. Vance is 38. And, and what is the odds of re- getting reelected if you're a U.S. senator? It's, it's what, like 98%, Bob, or 96%? So if you win, you can't get rid of them. I, I know this sounds crass. Mike Gibbons is biologically term limited. He's 66. <laughs> Okay. Now I, I, and I, and I put it in my press release and I said, and yes, that's important to us. That is important to me. I don't want someone to be there for 30 years and we know we can't get rid of them once they're elected because it's all rigged in their favor. Now, finally, you know, I said this in my press release and I think it's important. You can tell a lot. I've been doing this for 12 years. I've, I've known just about every politician you can name. 
I've worked with them and, and, and had relationships with them. Very few of them are there when they don't need you. Almost none. Mike Gibbons, after he lost in 18, he did not disappear. In 18 and 19, he stayed with us and helped us win Ohio for Trump. Yes, he gave money, but he also stood up. He went to groups. He helped encourage people. He helped find people. He's given money to state central committee candidates now. He's in it for our cause. That means a lot to me because I look at this whole field and I look at you know all the politicians running for everything, and I say to myself, yeah, win or lose, after this is over, who's still going to fight for America? Well, I'm, I know Mike Gibbons pretty damn well. And I know that he will keep fighting for America, win or lose. And that's, that's a key reason for why I endorsed him. So we're Tom, proud to endorse a, Mike Gibbons. That's a very thorough explanation, and I do appreciate that. But uh, just real quick, because it's the news of the day, uh, your reaction to that Cranes Cleveland Business podcast from this past September, in which Mike said this. Uh, define it. Now, the problem is, is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is the middle class is getting screwed. And the and the the wealthy the elite are are getting are, are cheating everybody. Uh, apologies, that wasn't queued up right. But what he said prior to that was that the middle class is not really paying any kind of a fair share. Now, when I had him on, uh, Tom Zawistowski, he said that was completely out of context. They didn't play the first part of that. I said, well, then it's up to your campaign to get that out there so everybody knows what you were really saying. Well, guess what? They did, and I want you to hear this before you respond. I, I don't have a problem with a progressive income tax structure. Um, you know, I think a flat tax would even be better. We'd have much higher growth. But I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I can live with a progressive tax structure. The problem is, is... The narrative on the part of the Democrats is absolutely false. Uh, the top 20% of earners in the United States pay 82% of federal income tax. Um, we only have, and, and if you do the math, and 45 to 50% don't pay any income tax, you can see the middle class is not really paying any kind of a fair share, depending on how you want to def, uh, define it. Now, the problem is, is you need the middle class to win an election. So the narrative is... The middle class is getting screwed, and the and the the wealthy, the elite are are getting are, are cheating everybody and getting by unfairly. How much of the total tax bill can a very small percentage of the nation pay, and still be a democracy? Uh, you can't have. So we'll cut we'll cut it there in the interest of time. <clears throat> but Mike, clearly, what he said that they clipped off of the 30 seconds that has gone viral this weekend. And I know you said Paquita had it, has had it on his YouTube for a long time, but nobody saw that because nobody's paying attention right. to Paquita anyway. But, right. uh, no, uh, well, it's just reality. Uh, it's not a slam. That's just reality. Nobody, you know, he's, 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 yeah, he's no, that's true. you know, you know, uh, his name is Mark Other because his name doesn't even appear on the polls. He's down in the other part, in the, which is, you know, less than 2% or whatever. But, but what Mike said in introducing that comment was that the Democrat narrative is totally false. And then he said that 82% blah 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 and that the middle class is is getting screwed they say that because they have to win elections so he very clearly introduced his comment by saying the democrats narrative that part was clipped off of what jd and charlie and everybody else is using right now yeah and and, and bob you know this is an interview with trains cleveland business a legitimate organization he's a businessman talking to a business magazine and and if any of your listeners listen to the whole 20-minute podcast I'm pretty sure that as conservatives, there will be hardly anything that they'll disagree with. 
because we all know our tax system is totally screwed up and it's screwed up because it's political. And, it, and I think you should give him some credit for he said the flat tax would be better. How many of us don't believe in that? Right. So I do. it's context. OK, so so, you, so my point is this, whether it's, oh, Mike Gibbons is not pro-life because he said he's pro-woman or pro-people in an interview. And yet his mother was adopted. You think he's pro-choice when his mother was adopted? Oh, Mike Gibbons thinks that being in the military is not work, right? But he's, you know, his son's a Navy pilot. You think he doesn't know how much work it is to be in the military? So you're being manipulated. And this is my problem with Josh Mandel. You know, again, you can attack Mike Gibbons on things that, you know, that are, uh, are there and true. But don't be doing this dirty politics stuff. And don't be doing it against the only other conservative in the damn race. You're hurting us. And if J.D. Vance or Jane Tippin wins, it will be Josh Mandel's fault. Flat out. All you listeners know that for a fact. Josh Mandel is putting himself before our country because he's attacking our people. It's a it's friendly fire, Bob, in a military statement. That's what this is. And it's stupid. And it's also egotistical. And it's really disappointing that Josh would make this, this really poor decision. Tom Zawistowski, the president of the We the People Convention, uh, laying out his case for the endorsement of Mike Gibbons for the United States primary uh, coming up on May 3rd. Tom, I appreciate it. I want to talk to you again about Timken and Paducci, another uh, Paducci, rather, another time uh, to talk about how t- Donald Trump really won Ohio twice. But uh, thank you so much for your thoughts on this race today. Oh, thanks for having me on, Bob. Thanks you for all it. you do. You got it. God bless. That's Tom Zawistowski. Took us all the way to the news, which means we're going to have to be a little bit before we come back, but we'll come back with your thoughts next. With Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 11.38, final segment of Always Right Radio this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. We always let Bill O'Reilly take it home until the top of the hour. Then you get some Charlie Kirk. Really interesting conversation with Tom Zawistowski moments ago. By the way, also, in addition to the part about uh, Charlie Kirk and... uh, uh, you know, uh, J.D. Vance talked about Josh Mandel and so on and so forth. He also talked about Jane Timken and her pathetic ca- case for uh, for this, you know, U.S. Senate primary, claiming that she's Trump's top woman because she delivered Ohio for him. You heard him. He said Jane Timken and Bob Paduchik, chairs of the ORP, respectively, did nothing to deliver Trump for this. And I would love nothing more than to talk to Bob Paduchuk about this, but every time we call, this is all we get. Thank you for calling Ohio Republican Party Chairman Bob Paduchuk. You have been on hold for 20 days. Your call is very important to Chairman Paduchuk. Please remain on the line. He'll be with you shortly. Uh We literally have called his office or emailed his press person every day for now the last 20 days and counting and i gotta tell you i don't see it being answered anytime thank soon. you for calling ohio republican party chairman bob paduchik you have been on hold for 20 days 
Your call is very important to Chairman Fiducic. Please remain on the line. He'll be with you shortly. Uh, not going to be holding my breath about that one. So, um, yeah, Bob, uh, whenever you feel like uh, making that phone call, we'd be more than happy to take it. Uh, let's get a phone call in now, though. This isn't Bob Paduchik. This is Linda in Medina. Linda, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Bob, for taking my call. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I, I am calling in because I am a Mark Bakita supporter, and I know on Friday you said that um, he's polling at less at 1%, which is not true, and that that because of this polling... Do you have... Hold on. Do you, do you have something on that? Because... Quite literally, his name doesn't appear on any of the polls. It only goes down as low as, like, Timken at 7% or whatever, and then he's, like, down in the other category, which is, like I said, statistically non-significant. Do you have an actual number when you say that that's not true? Because I'd love to know if you do. I mean, for real. Okay. All right. I'm just telling you that is not true. There are polls that he is not listed on. But I want to set the record straight. It is not polling that has kept him out of debates. It is fundraising that has kept him out of debates. And the, and it is the media that's kept him, keeping him in um, seclusion so you can't hear it. Just what you said about you're not getting Bob Paducha's call, it's the same thing that Mark is getting when he tries to call media when he tries to get on, but he is getting out with the people and the people are resonating. So when you say that he is Mark other, you're discounting the Patriot vote. that's going to be voting for Mark. And when the polls come out, which is the real poll, which is going to be May 3rd and Mark does so well. And I believe is going to win. I know you're going to laugh at that, but I believe he's going to win. It's going to make the the media look uh, foolish. Already, the Democrats are calling out corruption in the Republican Party. They're doing it in the governor race. They're doing it in the Senate race. And Mark Paquita is the only candidate. You can tell me what Jane Timken, J.D. Vance, Mike, um, Gibbons, Josh Mandel, or Matt Dolan have done call-out corruption in the Ohio Republican Party. They haven't. But if any of well, them win on May 3rd, they are going to have to go up against that. And they here's, are not here's, going here's to. Here's what I'll say in response. And no, I'm not going to laugh at you for saying you think he's going to win. I wouldn't dis- disparage anybody like that. Uh, and, I, and I certainly respect your opinion, and I thank you for your phone call. But let me say this as we get ready to wrap here. If Mark Pukita focused solely on things like that, calling out corruption and talking about the things that he's going to do as a senator to make things better, I think he would be polling higher. I think he would have a lot more supporters. But Mark tends to, I saw on Facebook over the weekend, somebody told him that I was trashing him again, which is wholly and completely not true. I haven't even thought about him for for a couple of months. I mean, literally, I haven't even thought about him because he's so irrelevant in this race. He's not, he's not there. He's, he's, he's not anywhere. I haven't even thought about him, and the only reason I talked about him on Friday was in response to a phone call from Jim in West Park, who said, what about Mark Paquita? And what I said then is what I'll say now. If he, he does have some good ideas, he and I see eye to eye on probably a lot more things than we don't. But he tends to carry himself in a very off-putting way. Anybody who opposes him or challenges him is an enemy, is non-credible. Is, is, a, is a rhino, 
is um, you know all, corrupt, uh, illegitimate. All of these things he sounds just like his friend and and uh, a fellow supporter uh, Joe Blystone. Everybody's the enemy unless you're for them. It's a bad look. It's a bad sound. And I don't like it. I'm not engaging in the name-calling with him. I'm telling you, though, that it's off-putting, and I think it's costing him support with a lot of people. As such, I don't think it's a serious campaign. And as I said on Friday, and I'll say again now, I think that when you're looking for the next senator from the, United, from the state of Ohio for the United States Senate, you should focus on those who have a chance on it. And on my program, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the people who have a chance at this thing, and I'm making sure that the, the right decision is made by the people of the state of Ohio, whatever that's going to be. And by the way, if it's Mark Pukita, I would support him, of course, against Tim Ryan. But that's my response. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.